Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guests are two of the top Americans from the 2022 Boston Marathon, BAA runners Matt McDonald and Jonas Hampton. Matt finished 13th overall as the third American in a new personal best of 2.10.35, and Jonas finished 23rd overall as the 10th American in 2.14.40. The BAA men did a great job of defending the home turf as they put four men in the top 25 overall and three in the top 10 Americans, winning the team competition by a landslide. Both Matt and Jonas work full-time in addition to being pro runners, and we talked a lot about the balance between managing a demanding career and pursuing big goals in the sport in this episode. If you're looking for inspiration, look no further than these guys who run 130 miles a week while they work in engineering and in machine learning. We also talked about the team culture in the BAA, following a number of coaching changes, the possibility of getting back on the track after the marathon, and what makes the Boston Marathon a truly special race. This episode was brought to you by Hayward Magic in advance of a big summer of racing in Eugene, Oregon. As we lead up to the World Championships, all of us here in the Sidious Mag family will be bringing you high-quality interviews, storytelling, content, and analysis. Learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. point of the pot. It's just going on for hours. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. Uh, I'm your host, David Melly, and today in person, we have two BAA runners fresh off uh, some pretty impressive finishes at the Boston Marathon, Jonas Hampton and Matt McDonald. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having, Thanks us. For having us. So uh, just to kick it off right off the bat, so Matt, you had a, a big PR at uh, yeah. Boston. Um <laughs> How, how did that race play out for you, and uh, did you, you know, have any an inkling that it was coming down the pipe? Um, you know, I was definitely fit, and I was excited about that, and I kept telling myself as the race went on, like, today's a great day to PR, couldn't have asked for better weather, I mean, I'm peeling right now from the sunburn <laughs> I got last Monday, so uh, it was pretty ideal as far as Boston weather goes. Um, and yeah, I was feeling fit, and there was a good pack of guys that were running fast from the gun, and... Uh, just wanted to stick it out with them. I knew there were some guys in there that were definitely going to run faster than my PR. And uh, I thought if I stuck with them, it would be a good day to PR. And then lo and behold, I lowered my time by 35 seconds or something like that. Uh, now a, a smidge faster than my coach, <laughs> even though he ran that time like 20 years ago. No, not quite that long ago. It still counts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I feel real good about it. Um, you know, obviously I think every runner like looks back on a race and, like, unless they just won a gold medal or something, they're thinking what they could have done better. And so you, I've had a lot of that as well. But uh, on the whole, I think it's important to remember that feeling when I crossed the line, which was, like, just pure happiness versus, you know, a few hours later, like, oh, I could have moved harder at this point. <laughs> so obviously it's, you know, on TV, you don't really see the race playing out unless you're literally at the front of the pack. And there was this big pack of Americans that were, like, kind of, Working together slash duking it out yeah. um, that you were running with, but for the viewer, aside from just like getting five k splits, we don't really know how the race played out. So, walk <laughs> us through a little bit of like how that race looked from your perspective. Yeah, we had a great crew of Americans as well as um, 
Yuki and uh, Trevor Hoffbauer from Canada. Uh, and it was, we packed up, we were at the back of like the lead pack through 5k or maybe even 10k. And then it became pretty clear that the lead pack was going to be like a 206 day for them. So we, we broke off um, and then worked together for a while. There was a, a slight headwind. Um, Colin Benny, you know, having the pressure of being, being top American last year, probably got thrown a little under the bus, had to lead that pack more than most guys. But I think we did a decent job of rotating through a little bit. Uh, at one point, me and Trevor were the two at the front and were probably the two biggest guys in the elite field. <laughs> And I forget who it was that said behind us, uh, like, they couldn't ask for two better guys to block the wind right now. And I was like, oh, you know what, that means I'd probably get back in the back of the pack. Um, but yeah, we worked together for a long time, came through the half um, pretty quick, and the pack was still really hanging together. Um, and then just like in October, it broke apart on the big downhill into a Lower Newton Falls or something like that. Lower Falls. <laughs> Lower Falls. <laughs> My hood. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, Scott just blew it up there. And on the long climb with the overpass over the highway coming out of there, it strung out. Um, and then, you know, like a mile later, you're rounding the, the only turn on the course at the firehouse. Um, and I think at that point, it had strung out quite a bit and going up into the Newton Hills. It was uh, me, Colin, Benny, and Reed Fisher. Um, again, I was still letting Colin do too much of the work, and I kind of regret this. Because, um, one, I think I could have pushed harder there, but two, I also just sat on him, and, like, you know, he might not have been feeling as good as he was last year. Um, and maybe I could have helped both of us run a little faster. Um, but, yeah, we, we just worked up the hills, and by the time we got to heartbreak... Um, I was feeling good. I always feel pretty strong uphill. Usually it's downhill that's more challenging, but uh, we've done a little more speed work this buildup than I'm typically used to, so my legs were still able to turn over once we got up and over the hills. But I mean, at that point, it's kind of just like, I don't know, everything goes blank. You don't really know <laughs> what's going on. It's just, you've got like 8K to go, and it's just, get home. Let me see the sit-go sign. It comes up really quickly, and then also, no shit there's the sit goes <laughs> like <laughs> I'm almost at the finish line um and then yeah I could see CJ Albertson just out of reach I, I could tell I was closing on him but uh once we were on Boylston it was clear that uh I'd run out of real estate and his strategy of um going hard from the gun <laughs> and then pushing really hard on that downhill where Scott Bobble started to break up our little pack I think he split like a 430 mile down that hill or something like that CJ did mm -hmm. um but he put a little more on me than I could make up. But yeah, then I crossed the line with a big PR and was happy, so. <laughs> <laughs> how how much, like, uh, actual chatter is going on? I, 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 especially in the early miles of that pack. Like, are you guys actively talking to each For other? Sure. Or? Um, well, first of all, we go through every bottle station. None of us missed a bottle. And so all of a sudden, you need anything? I got Martin, <laughs> I got this. And everyone's holding their bottle like, here, take mine. And we're all good. <laughs> um, so then you throw those away. Uh, Trevor Hoffbauer's a funny guy. I got to eat a couple meals with him at the hotel before the race. Um, and his personality was exactly the same at, like, lunch three days prior as it was during the race. Like, he was <laughs> excited to be here. Um, he was, like, running in circles around us whenever there was a big crowd, like, pumping up the the fans watching, which was a big boost, and I actually kind of appreciated it. You're like, you're a little too happy to yeah. be running a marathon right I'm now. also like, we're nine miles in. <laughs> yeah. like, a lot could change between now and the finish line. Um, 
but yeah, he was getting after it a little bit. Um, and then, you know, there's just a, a couple things, like, uh, coming up behind you. Um, I think at one point, we had, like, a, a press moped next to us who, like, honked in our ears, and all of us were like, what the hell was that? Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of quiet. Um, it's a little weird when you're out there, like, all these guys just sticking together as much as they can, and then kind of silent. Like, if you were there just for, like, a long run, you know, obviously, there'd be so much chatter going on, but... That's an everyone's attitude. in their head. Ten miles in, you turn to the person and be like, would you rather <laughs> find a hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> so, Jonas, so you uh, uh, are, I would say, the, the veteran of the BAA group uh, at, at this point. Um, what, what number Boston was this for you? I'd just say this was four. Um, so the first year I ran it, was the year of the hurricane when Des won. So I dropped out at mile 12, basically right before the Wellesley Screen Tunnel. Um, and then the following year, I ran it was, I think I ended up with food poisoning. So that was fantastic. <laughs> um, but I did finish. Did finish in like 2.30, 2.35 or something like that. And then last, and then this past September, um, basically ended up, or October, basically strained tore my hamstring at mile eight so that was fun a long long time to finish that one um and then yeah this will be four there this was four so definitely been around a while so if the if the trend continues you're gonna run like I'm 206 <laughs> next year <laughs> like, it's like 10 minutes every time don't finish 230 220 2, 214 so yeah just keep keep getting better i guess how did you um so obviously Boston is a point-to-point course yeah. for, for people uh, listening. Um, how did you get to the finish from mile 12 when you dropped out? Oh, I was... So they say in like the uh, meetings beforehand that if you drop out, there's a number to call in the back of your bid and someone will come and get you. But I'm at the med tent and everyone's... There's a couple other athletes in there who are also freezing. Um, and we waited there for about probably a solid hour for them to warm up before they can move us. So by the time I got to the finish line, it was like basically two hours after the elites already came through. So everyone's like, where are you? They're, they didn't, they never called the number on the back of my bib. So everyone's trying to figure out where I was. They figured I dropped out. They were just hoping I wasn't dead. <laughs> Which, and did they eventually come get you guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were just waiting for one of the um, little shuttle buses, but it, took a while to get from Wellesley to Boston. That happened um, uh, to Brian Schrader a couple of years ago. He dropped out right around mile 22, and I happened uh-huh. to be cheering from there. And so I'm talking to, like, Hal- Helen, his yeah. girlfriend, yeah. and she's with his parents and his coach, and he hit the 21-7, and then no one knew what happened to him. And so he... You know, I'm, I'm like standing there at mile 22. I'm like, he definitely didn't come past. Yeah. So he's probably, you know, somewhere, somewhere nearby. Yeah. Um, and there's a med tent, like, right past, like, the, mm-hmm. I think it was, like, the 21, the, it must have been, like, the 35K mark or yeah. something like yeah. that. Um, and, but it was on the other side of the course. <laughs> and right around that time was, like, essentially when, like, all the people running, like, 250 to three hours were, so like, it's like, coming through. After another. So I, it was, like almost impossible for me to like cross the course yeah. if I wanted but I'm like I'm 90% sure that Brian is like in that tent in that tent and I had to literally like go to some like random police officer and like try to explain to him like 
my friend is in the elite field, his family's wondering where he was, can I please, like, break Just every cross, rule please. in the book and cross? And I, I eventually did, and, like, he was there, and he was fine, but there was that, yeah, it is that it moment just, of panic yeah. where you're like... Where is he? <laughs> I, at Chicago, like, last, in Chicago 2021, I was having such a bad day, and honestly, the mm. biggest thing that prevented me from dropping out was I'm like it's gonna be more annoying trying to get to, get to the finish, to the finish line. line yeah and especially in that one if you're if you're out there on the course it's like you're out there yeah I'm like I might as well just keep going because that's the yeah. quickest way to get back to my just stuff hobble <laughs> back whatever and get there yeah um so you so obviously uh was this your second or third fastest uh, uh probably second because I've run 214 high Another at Chicago another year uh, way back when, and then my PR would have been two twelve. So yeah, second. And your PR is from trials in yep. twenty twenty. Yep. And so, this is this is kind of two like, years later. <laughs> well, it's always the question, right? Where um, do you consider yourself like a like a bad course marathoner, or is it just kind Probably. of the luck of the draw? <laughs> um, a little bit of both. So because I did run um with Matt actually the um marathon project in Arizona. <laughs> And that both went terrible for, for the both of us. Um, I mean, I just I just started training under Mark at the time, so I was kind of in a transition period um, of training, so things weren't clicking the way they normally did. I definitely wasn't doing as many mileage as I would have liked or am currently doing for this past build. So that definitely didn't go to plan. It would have been nice to run 210 with everybody else, um, for sure. But... The Chicago a couple other times, because um, the one year that I did run the 214, actually it was Scott Fobble, um and Scott Smith, they, they paced for about 18 miles of it, and it was perfect, like 5 flat, 502, so we were around 212 pace for that, but weather was a little dicey. Um, that was at Chicago? That was at Chicago. Was it hot? It was humid, <laughs> very humid. Um, well, last year it was. Yeah, humid, so right? it was... <laughs> I could say I guess it could be a little bit of luck of the draw, but I also feel like I'm contrary to Matt, I'm actually really good with downhills. Um, uphills are kind of where I struggle, so I feel like Atlanta had a lot of downhill and with Boston this past year, I mean, I struggled on the hills, but going down all of them I was good to go. Like my quads weren't beat up whatsoever. Um, like I was walking good the next day. I could take stairs, which <laughs> is shocking. <laughs> um I mean, the only thing that was a little bit of an issue was probably my hamstrings at that point. Um, but yeah, I think hillier courses that have pace changes are probably a little bit more up my wheelhouse. And so part of why I wanted to have you guys on is because BAA overall had like a pretty darn good showing on the American side, like yeah. three guys in the top 10 Americans. Um, obviously, there's kind of like a defend the home turf mentality, I have to imagine. <clears throat> Um, so what's, um, both kind of the thought process and the mentality being like a BAA runner at Boston on race day, um, and then also sort of how do you prepare before race day, like as a Boston runner, what does that look like in the buildup? What a question. Well, I can just start, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead. First of all, being a BAA athlete in BAA is premier event. I mean, it's, that's so special, right? Like, that usually to have you. the logo on your chest that everyone else has on their bib, that feels kind <laughs> of fun. Um, do I wish that that meant to, like, more people cheering me on in the crowd? 
Sure. But, you know, they cheered everyone on, so I didn't feel special at all with respect to the crowd. That doesn't um, matter. Yeah. But, you know, training here in Boston, I feel like the two of us probably know this course better than almost anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonas lives right off of the Newton Hills. Yeah. Um, We've done so many runs over there. A ton of times. In the winter, it's the only place that's not snowy. So, <laughs> As you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think like having that knowledge of the course definitely helps out a bit too. How much specific um, training? Like, are you doing every long run in the course leading up to Boston? Are they doing tempos there? What What does that look like? I did almost every long run on the course leading up to it because it was the only place to run in the winter. <laughs> I mean, that changed a little bit as we started to get into spring, but um, it wasn't like by choice; it was by necessity. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we, the rest of us, so Matt was unfortunate and had to stay here. Um, the other three of us and other teammates, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico for all of March. So we weren't on the course as much, but I mean, luckily enough for me that I live on the course. <laughs> so I, I could run the course probably blindfolded at this point. Um, but we definitely did um, a good amount of like hillier runs. Um, to try to simulate the course as much as possible. Um, I mean, there was a long run that was in Santa Fe that was just up and down the entire time, basically. Um, and that was pretty nice. So that simulated the hills for the most part. Uh, but yeah, definitely being kind of local, even if even if we weren't on the BA, just being a local athlete in the race usually help gets the fans going, which is always nice for, for the marathon. Were you able to see any of your, like, friends, family, significant others on the course, or it's just at, all blurs together? <laughs> yeah, at one point, so I heard my, so our last names are on our bin, so if people are cheering for Hampton, that's, that's great, you're, but then if I heard my first name, it's like, okay, that person knows who I am, so I'll either give them a thumbs up or a wave and just give them, just acknowledge that they're there. The only time I actually saw anyone was probably in the last mile and a half, <laughs> uh, which is, I guess, what is that, Park Street? Um, basically right by Fenway. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's my family and some other people from like Connecticut that I, um, that I used to run with. So I'm like, hi guys, <laughs> almost done. But it, I basically I was able to see them there. Um, and a couple people earlier on, but not. I can't believe you noticed anybody. I the was, crowds were so big. I, they I were couldn't right people there. out. They were like <laughs> literally right on the side. And honestly, the last mile and a half, I was actually feeling really good. So I was kind of wide awake. <laughs> At that point, for you. <laughs> yeah. I was closing hard. I had a blacked out tunnel at that point. Finish line is the only thing I could see. I should have just run harder. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, that's that's always, you know, uh, even track, track cross country mm-hmm. races in college, I usually never notice, like, unless yeah. it's like very specifically screamed at me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, especially if you know, like, where someone's going to be. And that's the thing, they the told course. me where they were yeah. going to be, and I was like, all right, well. I've got a mile and a half to go. I knew you were going to kind of be in that spot because you were there in the past. Usually they were about two miles away. And every time they've been there, I've run like crap. So I'm like, <laughs> move, please. Every, I, I will say there's a there's a romanticism of like some of, you know, my friends that may be like, don't take marathoning quite as seriously, but like run a race like Boston and like they get to like, you know, they like see their family, like someone hands them a beer, they like chug it in the middle of the race. That like, would be fun. 
on one, one day, day. Once, we're, once we're all retired. <laughs> yeah, have the fun signs that say funny things, and you're yeah. <laughs> giving your friends high fives and stuff. Um, so both of you guys came to BAA kind of like coming out of what I, I from the outsider perspective, would see as like a pretty big like period of change with, mm-hmm. you know, Terrence leaving and Ricardo and yeah. Morgan and now Mark. And now you guys have been with Mark for a couple of years now um, as the head coach of the team. Mm-hmm. And now the now he has like some fancy other title of like director yes. of the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> <laughs> um, but so I guess the question is, what is the what is the current, you know, BAA vibe as a team? The vibe? Vibe's pretty good, actually. We've, like, we all just watched them race. Um, yeah, that's We true. all went down to watch the Masters, um, USATF Masters race, and basically we were all there as a team. So the team vibe's actually really good. Um, it's kind of we, weird when the athletes go to watch the coach race. But. <laughs> yeah, but, like, we all have fun together. And <laughs> aside from Matt, we were all in Albuquerque, living together, hanging out together. So definitely got to know each other a little bit better out there. Um, and like I said, we were seeing each other every day. And by the time we were done, we were like, I hate you. Let's get out of here. <laughs> we, we were at the airport. I was like, I don't want to see anyone. You guys go your way. We'll all go our way. It's fine. But I mean, that's kind of just like a family type situation. At that Altitude stints. I, I, that's yeah. a recurring theme. You get a little like stir crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was only there for what, four or five weeks. Some of them, they were there for like six I was like, no. I love you, but I need to not see your face for a while. <laughs> Basically, that's what it came down to, was, yeah. And then, so, uh, you know, obviously there's kind of a mix on the team of road-focused yeah. folks mm-hmm. and then track-focused folks. For you guys, is it, you know, all marathons all the time moving out? Is there going to be, like, a 10K in the future? Or? I think we'll get some we'll, road 10Ks in. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be on the track anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind going on the track just because I like doing it. And just to mix it up, um, and it's also easier fan base to watch track races, obviously. Um, I mean, as long as you're there for the most part. I get so stressed out on the track. It's like we've got six and a half or 6.2 miles to run. And would, the first yeah. hundred meters, everyone's like, "This is the most important part of the race. Like, let's get to the rail now." Like, I like the road race. Nice and steady. The start doesn't matter. It kind of shakes out as it shakes out over the first half mile, and then settles yeah. in. But I think we will probably, at least after what we talked about, we'll probably do a couple more ten k's and some halves, mm-hmm. and not just strictly marathon. I mean, obviously, it'll be a marathon mm-hmm. spring and fall. Um, but summer is track season, basically, and there are some road races that we would probably both like to do. Um, yeah, so we'll see. You can't have Erica being the only one bringing home the paychecks. I know, I know. <laughs> she's like, she's just killing She cleaned up on the roads last, last year. Was, so. I was like, oh my gosh, she could beat me in everything. <laughs> yeah, we could bring in a little more money this year. That would be nice. And, he, and as you guys alluded to, uh, Mar- Mark is uh, occasionally a pretty good training partner for Erica and, and Annie and yeah. the rest of those as well. He, does some work. he did some workouts with them in Albuquerque, and I was like, oh. You're not that old. Yeah, how much is he? How much is he running these days? I don't know. In terms of mileage, it, he kind of keeps that to himself because sometimes <laughs> he'll go for a double in the evenings. I'm like, I'm not even doubling. What are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know. He's probably doing guess 50. He's bored. Okay. Yeah, he's doing like 50 miles a week, maybe 60. I'm, honestly, I have no idea. And so um, you guys uh, are a little, uh, I guess, unique in that. Uh, uh, I think both of you, right, are have full time jobs outside of yeah you know. yeah. Um, That's why I wasn't in Albuquerque. Yeah, so yeah, you know. well, let's start there. So, so what's your job, and and uh, how does that work out with training? Yeah, so right now I'm a postdoc at MIT, um, in chemical engineering. 
Yeah, he so, already has his PhD. Fuck you, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the sucker that's still in the system. Hasn't gotten a real, real job yet. But uh, part of the reason is, you know, it's so flexible on the time hours. It's a lot of hours, but nobody's complaining if I get there at 11 and stay until 7. Like, nobody's like, where were you at 9 o'clock today? Which is fantastic for running and workouts. Um, I also like... Like, I'm really passionate about about what we're doing. Um, we're doing, like, some automated uh, machine learning for chemical discovery. And I don't need to get too into the details of that. But, like, it's really cool stuff. And I'm, like, so proud to work on it and so excited about some of the things we're uncovering. Um, that most of the time it feels like work. But there are days, and we had a couple days this week, where, like, it felt pretty good. And so it's good to be reminded of, like why I'm also pursuing this, like, full-time career. Um, but, you know, in the weeks leading up to Boston, it was also like, do I really have to go to work today? <laughs> like, it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Do, do your coworkers, like, understand? Because I experienced this in my, like, sort of day job. How, how much are they aware of, like, just how legit a runner you are? There are some that fully get it, but most don't. <laughs> Most even, like, we talk about the marathon afterwards, and like, that's so impressive. Like, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, I worked really, really hard for it. <laughs> it's not something that, like, I was just born with. Like, every morning I'm out there running, and every evening I'm out there running. Like, well, sometimes they think of it as just like, wow, like, how did you do that? <laughs> even just, like, you know, the classic, you know, oh, how, like, how many miles do you run uh, every day? And you're like, well... Depends you know, on the day. Yeah, depends, <laughs> depends on the day. Be, you know, t- 10 to 13, and they're like, you know... And Sunday's long run's like 20 plus miles. 20 miles, what? And, and to explain sort of, you know, the concept of like, that's kind of what everyone I know does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always fascinating to me, you know, what aspects of running kind of like sink through and like, yeah. it, and, are, and are particularly impressive to people. You know, <laughs> I love that so many people don't understand like what a workout is. Agreed. Like, wait, but you run every day. Yeah, but there there are runs and then there are workouts, and they're like, oh, what's the difference? It's like, well, one of them is just kind of like something I can do with my friends. And the other one is like, I'm gonna throw a workout. Like we're working hard. You you don't just run as fast as you can as long as you can exactly. every single day <laughs> until you can't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Some people think you do, though. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, the, the mileage numbers, like, when you tell somebody, like, yeah, I'm going to run over 130 miles this week, or I ran over 130 miles last week, like, I don't think it really registers. That does, that like, you have to break it down, like, that's almost 20 miles every day. And even then, like, sometimes, I, I think a lot of people can't relate to it, which is unfortunate, but, um... Well, I always have the, the back pocket of having to talk about, like, what Zach does, where, like, people are, you know, what did you do this weekend? Oh, uh, my boyfriend ran 100K. <laughs> like, yeah. How many it, miles is that? Yeah. I can't fathom that. It, it puts, uh, you know, there's always someone doing something crazier, right? You know? <laughs> and that, uh, that, is the, that is running in a nutshell. Um, so Jonas, walk us through what is what is your uh, employment situation day to day look like? Day to day, it's usually so civil engineer, highway design engineer. So basically, I design roadways and highways, um, for lack of anything better. <laughs> um, so usually, it is pretty strict with the nine to five. So um, over, I guess the span of March, 
Um, and so before Atlanta, the trials, um, I took off full time. Like I, I stopped working for about a month and a half. Um, and then for over the month of March, I was on part time. So I was had to do at least 20 hours a week, um, which everyone that it doesn't seem like a lot, but you're still running 130 miles. So it's like it does kind of add up. Um, especially with like doubles and in the winter it is you don't have that much light around here um so we all we all run in the dark at one point or another um but it's they're a little bit flexible when it's kind of i need that peak like build up time um any other time it's usually just nine to five um if i'm working remote or at home i'll either log in a little bit later or just log in and say I'm there. <laughs> Whether or not they're listening to this, at this point, I don't care. One of the highlights of COVID. One of the highlights. It's like, uh, yeah. I'm going to run in the middle of the day. Exactly. It's like at up. noon, I'm like, I don't usually have a lunch break in the office because everyone just works 10 hours a day straight. I'm like, you guys are crazy. I'm, I need to do something. So with COVID, it was just a lot easier to go out midday to go That's been like the biggest savior for me as well. Especially people. in the yeah. winter where you're yeah. like, yeah. I will, I'll work in the dark at 6 p.m. <laughs> I, don't I don't care about that. Just, if I can sneak out for a run at 3, that's a game changer. Yeah, like, and it's like, in the winter, it's like there's ice everywhere. I can't, I'm not waking up at 5 o'clock to go slip and bust my ass. <laughs> yeah. it's, sorry, it's just not happening. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely been kind of helpful, I guess. And then, you know, obviously going into, like, races and stuff, like, is there a little, like, uh, I would say there's, like, a little chip on the shoulder. Unfortunately, I feel like <laughs> blue collar has become this, like, weird buzzword where it has. has a lot of, uh, you know, strong opinions of what does and does not count as blue collar. But is there a little <laughs> element of, you know, hey, I, I was, like, at work on Friday and now I'm racing on Saturday when you're... Well, yes and no. Only because it used to be because I used to actually work like twelve hour days a lot, um, but now like some of these build ups like okay while well, I was only working twenty hours I know Matt's been working forty or fifty if not more sometimes, so it's like if Matt can do this I I should be able to do this without complaining all the time. <laughs> I'll say the hours are pretty consistent at forty to fifty, but the quality of work. Yeah. is inversely related to how many miles I'm running, right? Like if, yeah, for sure. If we're at the peak of the build-up... I'm useless. You know, I'm absolutely useless. Brain is fuzzy for hours, unless I'm really caffeinated. Well, and there's... Um, well, we can get back to the caffeinated piece in a second, because uh, I'm very interested in your Boston coffee takes. That's but, him. Um, That's him. What's your, what's your favorite coffee place in Boston? Oh. Oh, well, this is going to be awful, but I love Dunkin'. Oh, that, that's nothing wrong with that. I know people say, like, a Blue Bottle and Starbucks. Those are the two, like, more boutique-type ones right now. People say office. Starbucks is boutique? <laughs> Compared to Dunkin'. Compared to Dunkin', I suppose. Oh, but I feel I, like I'm in Boston, it's like, oh, you're going to Starbucks? What are you, yeah. soft? Like, <laughs> I like, I mean, I like pavement and, like, uh, like, um, what's it called? Uh, Blue State Coffee yeah, on, I like, Blue State, yeah. um, but what's your, what's the, uh, you know, how do you take your coffee, I guess, is the... Dunkin', I get it iced. And I don't think you really need to specify much more than oh, yeah. that. Dunkin' Ice is its own, it yeah, it's its own food category. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, really it's for the caffeine more than anything, which is 
is sad. But this is what I always say is, I, I, when it comes to coffee, I'm an addict, not a snob. Like, yeah. I'm not <laughs> like one problem. of these like you know pour over <laughs> fancy. I'm like I don't. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be strong. Like, well, before the the marathon, I went off caffeine for two yeah. weeks. That way, it would hit a little harder on race day morning. This is an so, BA. This is like an Eric Ash, Brian Harvey classic. I well, think they're insane to do. I couldn't do it's it. It's awful. You spend literally like three <laughs> days with a headache, unable to function, but then suddenly you feel okay. <laughs> but I tried my first pour over from Starbucks because it was the only way to get a decaf and I still needed mm. some kind of fix and it was delicious. So I might start ordering pour overs more often. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that said, I'm back on caffeine like a week later. I can't wait. You know, of all the vices, you, you gotta have something. Like... Yeah. Everyone knows how much all of us in the Sidious Mag family love track and field and how much we enjoy sharing our love with you. Well, we've got a few big ideas in the works for the upcoming season, none bigger than what we've got planned for Eugene. Our summer of Hayward begins with the Nike Prefontaine Classic on Memorial Day weekend, which will also be the USATF 10,000 meter championships, and it continues through the rest of the USATF outdoor championships in late June which will, in turn, select Team USA for the World Athletics Championships in Oregon in mid-July. We'll be there for every competitive moment and hope to create some special moments of our own with interviews, analysis, watch parties, and all sorts of good stuff. Hayward Magic is gearing up for all the action happening this season, and they want to see how you're preparing for the summer events at Hayward, whether they're high school, collegiate, or professional level. Show them how you're preparing by sharing your training on Instagram using the hashtag MakeItToHayward in the description. At Hayward Magic will select and feature the gutsiest posts in their feed. Who knows, the best submissions might just be compiled into a highlight reel and end up on Hayward Magic forever. Learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward and we hope to see you out there either virtually or in person this summer. We, well, we were chatting a little bit before, so Jonas is a big cider guy yeah. um, when it comes to, to um, craft breweries around here. Do you have a favorite Boston area brewery as well? Um, I've really been enjoying Aeronaut Shortly. lately. Uh, going there tomorrow night. <laughs> um, nice, nice. I think just like a, a lot of fun, good vibe. The beer's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have to get out to Harpoon. But I know that's like the big one. I'll, I'll get out there. It's it's a fun like I actually I not that I've like uh, like soured on Harpoon beer, but it's like it's more like I always say like the Harpoon Brewery is a an excellent soft pretzel restaurant that also serves beer. Like <laughs> it's if I'm going for like I want a, the best possible craft beer experience, uh, I would not necessarily Harpoon would be at the tip of my tongue, but it's like a yeah. good it's like a good Saturday. Um, I don't know if you guys are doing the Harpoon Five Miler this year. Oh, but... I forgot about that. When is you that? guys should probably not do it because I'm doing. It. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I can step back. Yeah, there's no prize money, but they do give you a ton of beer if you win. Um, All right, but it's, like it's at the end of May. It's a super fun just day. I, would, I have been meaning to do that. I just. It's yeah, a um. I would. It's a very um. Fast flat arguably short um, five-mile course. So if you need a, like, shiny new five-mile PR to, like, put on your, you know, stats and everything, it's but a good place to go for that. I four weeks. I know. That's yeah, that's fair. I just started running. Three miles in the past yeah. week and a half. Um, that, is, that is the downside, yes. Um, but so speaking of just, like, coming, being, like, a little scrappy, a little blue-collar, you obviously, um, you know, you look at the... 
you know, folks towing the line at a race like Boston mm-hmm. or at any of these, you know, national road championships. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of guys from Colorado. There's a lot of guys from Flag. Um, you know, you guys both, you went to Princeton um, and you went to Hartford, right? Yeah. Yeah. So not, well, uh, Princeton these days is, is quite the, and we'll get into this sure. bullshit, but, <laughs> um, you know, not Power 5, Pac-12, you know, conference schools. Um, so yeah. when you kind of went into the, you know, post-collegiate and pro running, you know, world um, coming out of college, did you sort of have any sense of like the you know, path that you were forging versus what other people were doing? Or... Not at all. Definitely not. <laughs> I, uh, I went down to Atlanta to get a PhD at Georgia Tech, intending to hang up the shoes. Um, and then uh, the coaches at Atlanta Track Club, they actually came to um, regionals in track to watch me run the 10K in Jacksonville my senior year. And I kind of blew them off, and I still feel <laughs> guilty about this looking back. But they, like, talked me into joining, like, the elite team that they were starting up at Atlanta Track Club, um, or at least trying to take to the next level. It had always existed, but, you know, they hired new coaches, Amy and Andrew Begley. And they talked me into it for about a year. Like, I kind of even resisted. I didn't, I was not fully committed, but um, eventually, like, they started to grow the team. And as the team grew, like, I'm a competitive person, and so I wanted to compete with my teammates then when it was just me and a few women on the team, it was, uh, you know, I could always beat the women in <laughs> workouts. That wasn't exciting. But as that grew, uh, like, I, I don't want to say I rediscovered the passion for it. I just, like, it hit on my competitive nerve, and I wanted to be good again. Um, and so, no, I had absolutely no idea that this was the path I was going to take coming out of college. Um, I thought I was done, but luckily I'm not. And, you know, now, I mean, it, it is funny, like, that... I think what they've done has been, has been so fantastic and, and kind of growing that team. And now it has like the official Adidas partnership yep. and everything. So you don't even know, you guys are like sister teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they obviously crushed it with, with the trials event. Yeah, um, the trials was something else. That, that made me proud to wear the Atlanta Track Club singlet that day. And so when you, so, cause you were also on that, even on the team, like there didn't have a ton of, um, you know, long distance Guys, like I always thought of them as mm-hmm. sort of more of like a mid D focused. It's team. hard to recruit marathoners to Atlanta. It's <laughs> That's hot, fair. And, hilly, and why, why go to Atlanta if you can go to Flagstaff or something? Um, but we were able to recruit a bit from the South, um, a bit of people that were just there for other reasons, um, and the coaches were really committed to making the team work. So, um, and so when you moved, when you finished your degree, mm-hmm. um, was that on your mind? in terms of next steps where I want to have a place where I can, you know, run with a competitive group and do, you know, my work continuing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my brother went to Tufts, so he lives in Boston still. My family were from New Jersey originally. So I, I did want to get back to being closer to, to home. Um, but I also did want to continue my, my career in chemical engineering. We're better than MIT. So that was a big draw. And, you know, the BAA puts on the premier marathon and, you know, was in the process of building one of the premier marathon teams. So it seemed like a natural fit. How could I not want to come to Boston and join that team? 
And so, Jonas, you, I would say you have one of the more unconventional past <laughs> professional running. Um, yeah. <laughs> walk us through that. <laughs> Where do you want to start? <laughs> What's the college? So, college. So, my college, University of Hartford, they're actually going D3 in like two years. They'll transfer over. Um, I graduated. I basically didn't run for probably six months. I pretty much thought I was done uh, completely. And I actually. I moved in with a friend of mine who was a couple years older. He um, is also an engineer. He was kind of a um, mentor through school. And lived with him. I was like, I'm not going to start running until I get, like, a job. Like, getting a job was, like, first and foremost. So I started working eventually. I started running. And then the next year, I was like, oh, I'll run with some friends and run the Hartford Half Marathon. So I ran that in the fall. I was like, oh, this is, like, I ran, I think, like, a 67 mid or something like that. I was like... So naive of me, I was thought I was so good with <laughs> the 67. Um, and then I was like, oh, I could just keep doing this every fall, and I would do, like, some spring track races. I would get hurt through winter, do some spring races, and then get better um, through summer, run the half. And I kept dropping my time through the half, and I think I ran, like, 65 it was my last half marathon there. Um, and then I went to Houston. This is 2015, I think. And then... Ran a half there, got the Olympic trials standard at the time, so I think it was under 65. Um, and then ran the Hartford Marathon, won with like 2.15, went to LA. Um, that was dismal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But, I mean, I, I have had some like off and ons of like running in the past. Um, and then after the trials, um, I kind of was just doing a bunch of local races again um got into like chicago i did that a couple of times um and then geared up for the 2020 trials in atlanta i guess after that was kind of my main focus was always that one and so correct me if i'm wrong but so you were part of like the uh, it's, it's yeah, unclear so, to me how the baa so team was, breaks okay, down so then so i was in connecticut um my wife and i we moved up here in 2017 um, and I wanted to join, so Terrence was still the coach at the mm-hmm. time. Little did I know he was leaving. So I was like, oh, Terrence, he's had really good success with distance runners. So I was like, let's just join BAA. And we wanted to be closer to my wife's parents. They live up, um, in upper Massachusetts, up in Reading. So we moved up here, quit my job, just found another job basically pretty soon after. That was kind of convenient for me. <laughs> um, so I was on the racing team for BAA uh, for about two years, and then going into, I talked to a lot of friends going into um, Atlanta, into the trials, and I was like, well, I'm, I run 214, um, if I take this break, go out to Flagstaff train, what are the chances I could get, a, basically I pulled a Scott and Rojas and was like, I kind of want an actual contract. Um, so I, Figured I wouldn't resign on the racing team at the time and just do my own thing for um, for the trials and it seemed to pay off. <laughs> um, basically, I ran two twelve, got eighth place, and then um, started basically joining the actual high performance team after that. So I don't think I realized. So were you running unattached at twenty twenty trials? Yeah. So I just happened to have a Adidas kit that I had from, like, previous years that I used for, like, workouts. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, I'll just throw on these black tights. Um, and I had this 
I liked the Adidas singlet at the time because it was it was like full of holes. I was like, it's gonna be hot in Atlanta. I'm just. I knew Galen had like the holes in his shirt back in LA. I was like, I could do like, the same thing. Work. This could yeah. this could work. So it just happened to be that I had an Adidas singlet for that race day, but I was unattached going into the race. I, I have to say one of the things I was most relieved to see uh, from you guys in Boston this year is that you finally have some, like, goddamn proper shorts. Um, oh. I'm going to hold off on that because the shorts... We all, short. We all love the singlets, but the shorts for the guys, I'm I'm fairly convinced they mixed up making doing, like, manufacturing because I'm pretty sure they're, like, female shorts. Because ah, they are a lot short. Of, they're they're short, short, but I like that, because the last ones you guys had were long. Okay, the last ones we the had last were, like, ones looked like high school JV, yeah. <laughs> like, this is what we pulled out of the basement. <laughs> but these ones, I'm, like, usually I wear, I'm, like, 5'9", like, 125, 30 pounds, so I wear smalls. I couldn't fit in the smalls. They were not, they could not fit. So I was like, gotta go up to a medium. I think everyone went up a size, basically, for the shorts. I mean, I've always worn largest, but I tried the mediums on and everyone laughed. <laughs> yeah. But so, dialing in. They went too long, too short, and then the next Eventually, shorts. Eventually, you're gonna get it. You know what? They held everything they, in. They, they did. They didn't billow in the wind. That's, well, that's what I was worried about. I was, 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 was You were complaining about the shorts is that the, the liner would end up being the problem. <laughs> the new singlet, though, too, is really cool. I like the singlet. You were underwear. Yeah, I've got some. This is this is a recurring. It, it is, and I've heard. This yeah, is a recurring well, because you're the, you might be the first American I'm aware of that. I don't do many American things, apparently. Yeah, what it's, do you mean by that? Well, no, just like <laughs> like my like, I just I my go to drink is always a Guinness, <laughs> like almost all of the time. I look so actually when you guys are coming over, I look for Guinness today, and the like. The giant, the like Marty's discount liquor that I like went to didn't have Guinness. That's real odd. I say it's over. What is happening? Well, I don't know. They haven't restocked. <laughs> but yeah, for those shorts, I kind of think you need underwear for those shorts, at least for me, because the elastic was definitely a little loose, and I was like, it could be windy. We don't need any mishaps on this day. Yeah, you got to represent <laughs> BAA, you know, well, but not maybe not, not too well. <laughs> not, in that, not in that sense, no. <laughs> um. So. The other thing I, you know, the uh, the elephant in the room that we have to discuss uh-huh. um, is that uh, I hate to, you know, ever have anybody who went to Princeton on the mm. podcast. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that elephant. <Stop. laughs> I think you're this. I want to say second, because Russell was on, and yeah, I'm trying well, to remember anyone else was. Uh, a great guy. How could you not love him? Yeah, but so this is, this is something that, uh, okay. you know... The lore, yeah, John. This is like I'm just gonna sit back, <laughs> I'm gonna sit back and stay watch out of the line of fire. Oh, um, but one of the so one of the most one of the reasons I went to Cornell is that like we had this awesome like Red Sox Yankees like we hate each other rivalry yep, with yep. Princeton, um, and I it I have to imagine there was sort of a similar oh, perspective. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think when we were there, it went back like almost twenty years. Nobody had ever won. An indoor or outdoor hats except Princeton or, or Cornell. Yeah, and that was... I mean, the thing is, is, like, you talk about, you know, uh, like, what's, what's good for the sport? Like, you know, everyone's talking <laughs> about, you know, how to sort of increase yeah. fan interest yeah. in... Team rivalries, like, are, are, I think, absolutely one of the best ways to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Nothing yeah. is more electric than, like, a Heps where Princeton and Cornell are going, like, point for oh, point, yeah. event Those, for event. There were some really electric ones where, I, 
some indoor ones really stick to mind where it was coming down to like the relays. Was right? were you there in twenty? I guess it was twenty thirteen at ha- indoor house at Harvard. I wasn't there that year. Uh, yeah, we we won by one point. Yeah, and it was like to this day that's the loudest I've ever heard like a yep. track meet get. Um, it was quiet where we were watching in Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> so so from your perspective, I guess you know what is what was that sort of college experience like being on such a team focused team that you know maybe it was evil but like still <laughs> had um, a, a team. Focus. <laughs> I, we didn't think of ourselves as evil, per se. <laughs> uh, but we definitely thought. At least through my first couple years, like, the cross-country team, we felt like we had to carry this team through our victories. Because we were uh, a little more dominant at cross-ups than than track, but then by my senior year, that kind of totally flipped. And so it was, like, sort of this, uh, like, mindfuck that... I was like, oh no, we kind of need the rest of our guys to carry us through now, because we're going (laughs) to score, you know, a handful of points in the 5K, 10K, 1500, but... uh, Turns out our sprinters are actually competing now. So that was actually super exciting, um, if not a little humbling. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to get the Triple Crown my senior year was a, it was a good experience. I hate to say this, but uh, do, you have, do you have a favorite Heps memory? Uh, be gentle. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the easy one would be winning the 10K senior year. Um, I mean, that was just... It was a lot of fun. But to be honest, my favorite memory was the first year Vidge was our coach, um, cross country. Uh, you know, I think we, we blew it out of the water. Um, I think we would have beaten the rest of the league uh, if you scored all of them against us. And I don't want to say no one saw it coming, but like the let's run previews <laughs> and stuff definitely had it being a close race. So to just blow it up like that was a lot of fun. Yeah, Even our own coach didn't have much faith in us to do that. I think he was shocked by our performance. Sometimes that can be a calculated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was well. A real quick anecdote. Um, so earlier that year at Notre Dame, when we went to run cross country, we ended up getting second. Um, but they were writing the scores on a whiteboard afterwards because I guess it was a long time ago. And, <laughs> it was uh, like twenty fourteen. But go on. <laughs> um, they were writing. Uh, you know, whoever won, I forget, some really good school, maybe Tulsa. And then uh, Princeton, second, and they were writing out the score. And Vidge had us in a huddle afterwards, and he's like, you know, guys, it wasn't the performance we wanted, but you stuck it out there. Like, you, you laid it on the line, and I'm proud of you guys. So I'm like, Vidge, like, we got second. I'm like, look at the whiteboard. <laughs> he's like, no, that can't be right. Like, And then sure enough, they start erasing the whiteboard. And he's like, see, I told you guys, we didn't get second, but, you know, we had a good day. Like, there's plenty of time before Hebs. We can still save this season. And they restart writing, and Tulsa's still first. But then they just write Princeton again. Second, they're writing smaller because they were writing too big to fit all these words. <laughs> like, told you, coach. He's like, well, shit, I guess we did have a good day. And, you know, he was brand new to the job. It was his first race with us. And um, from that point on, the season was, like, a lot more fun because all of a sudden it felt like coach was, like, actually going to take us seriously now. And then we followed up with that great Hefts performance. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, a great great year all around the next year we lost a lot (laughs) (laughs) well and that's sort of continuing even now you know i think uh well i still will never on my dot till my dying day ever cheer for a princeton team but like 
you know, there, we saw some of that with the DMR this year in the NCAA, where, like, there was kind of this attitude of, like, you know, oh, there's Oregon, there's Stanford, like, Princeton? What are they doing here? Like, and you're like, yeah, they have, like, four 357 yeah. guys on the team. I don't know where that came from. Why are you surprised? They probably, like, we still got the group text to the guys from 10 years ago. Not quite 10 years ago. But, <laughs> and, like, we were talking about, like, looking at the per- NCAA performance list at indoors at one point, I was like, how do we have four guys in the top ten right now? Like, what's going on? What's in the water that we didn't get when we were back there? Um, but yeah, I mean, Vidge is a great mid-distance coach. I, I don't know what more to say about it because I was a 10K runner. <laughs> well, and to bring it kind of full circle, like, I think that's actually one of the things I really personally love about the kind of New England running scene. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously at Boston, that's kind of the big stage, but even you know, just the random, you know, Grand Prix circuit races, like, that's something that I, it's hard to explain to people that aren't necessarily, like, deep in the Boston running world, where it's Mm -hmm. like, no, we have teams, and people (laughs) care about, like, the team victories at stuff, whether it's Mayor's Cup or, you know, any of these races, and I guess from your guys' perspective, you know, um, like, is there kind of standing there in the starting line with Paul and Gerald and all those guys that you're kind of out there racing with, is there kind of like a little bit of a cross-country, you know, mentality to like, this is a team effort? For sure. Like, at at least definitely starting this year's Boston, because we we had four of us at the line um, all starting. And I was like, oh, this is definitely a cross-country field. I mean, three more guys, that would have been an actual (laughs) cross-country team. But, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it's been pretty great lining up with all of them at the same time, because we just haven't, had a full squad because Gerald, he's been out for a little bit. So having him back in the mix has definitely been pretty sweet. There have also been like some local smaller races. I guess Boston's technically a local marathon, but uh, some of the smaller ones were like, we don't win because Tracksmith shows up with numbers. Oh, yeah. And we <laughs> have like three guys and that show like, up. It's frustrating. It's like, man, like. I thought we were good, but, you know, you got to feel the full team. So. Well, yeah. and I think that's what's kind of nice is, like, there is kind of a... I, I've always said, like, I think one of the ways to, like, kind of be the rising tide that lifts all boats is to have that, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many pro groups in Boston. And yeah. to have yeah. those races where, you know, there is that blurring of the line between, like, the, you know, the quote-unquote, like, professional runners and the sub-elites, like, I think that you know, benefits everybody where it's 100%. like, you know, the, it, it keeps it competitive and keeps the depth so that like, you don't necessarily have to fly all the way to like Portland track fest to like get a yeah. good, uh, race in. And that, that is one of the things I hope like kind of continues in like, uh, you know, some of these, I mean, you guys do a good job of like being very, you know, kind of invested in the, the road running cross country running scene in the area. And like, I honestly hope more groups like, you know, uh, like uh, New Balance and Saucony mm-hmm. and whoever else is around and uh, are able to follow that lead of like, hey, like, we're going to go to the, you know, New Hampshire 10 miler and like yeah. I mean, throw it down, you know? <laughs> like, I'm looking forward to doing some yeah, of those I know. races we're, this season. We're Hopefully actually, coaches on board. Um, yeah, like this summer, it would be great. It, and it's also like a really good time to do it because if he's busy with the track so far, right, let us go run, yeah. run all these local races just, just for fun. Um, cause that's one thing I've actually personally missed in the past. It's you run two marathons a year. You don't race much in between. You kind of lose that competitive edge a little bit. Um, at least for me, 
getting older. I don't <laughs> want to speak for you there, Matt. Um, I've but, barely raced either. Yeah, so it's like these local races. Like I love racing lone goal. I've done that. I've done that yeah, a couple of times, fun. and it's just it's fun. Um, so all the local teams, and I've got friends from college that um, were teammates. And they run for GBTC. So, like, I still see them, like, on my regular runs, like, going through BC Res. I'm like, oh, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, like, just always great seeing all of um, my former teammates out there still racing, so. Yeah. I think what really speaks to it is how difficult it is to get a Strava segment record involved. <laughs> yeah. I think I yeah, have that. 50% of them in the city of Atlanta. I mean, I have five, maybe, in all of Boston. It is it is so funny how that... Yeah, between um, uh, Louis Serafini and Jacob Thompson... Yeah. Just going that... to... T- I was like, oh, Jacob's got this. Jacob, if you're listening, I'm coming for some of those. But, like, he does have some of them, and, like, I was at, like, the workout where he got them for, like, some of them. I'm like, ah. Oh. He definitely was, like, two steps in front of me for this. I was gonna say... Not cool. <laughs> well, and some of those... It's so funny, because it's, like, so, like, some of those BC res segments where it's like you know There's Jacob and, and James Randon like they were running like 440 pace around the res which Who's is like really this? fast like, that's yeah. not a particularly like favorable surface no, it's like, not. Uh, windy gravel like, yeah. I mean, we've done K's there I'm like we're doing K's at like maybe 3 minutes 256s or something it was like we're not getting that's segments. what we're topping out at yeah <laughs> Um, okay, well, so to, to wrap it up, uh, we ask all our guests the, the same three questions. Oh. Um, so you're on the spot now. Uh, the first oh. is uh, your Instagram crush. Um, keeping in mind, you know, Jonas is a married man. Like, this is a very abstract crush kind of situation. Like, TikTok trends, dog mm-hmm. accounts, like, all on, on the table. So I'll, I'll start off. Matt looks ready. What, what's, on, uh, what's on your internet feed these days? Oh, this is going to be embarrassing, but Ariana Grande. <laughs> She's adorable. <laughs> plus Wait, talented, is, is plus this Instagram? all of it. Or just in general. Just, just whatever's on. I yeah. Think about this. Instagram broadly. Like, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about this one. This one's actually kind of hard. Are you a big Wicked guy? Are you going to watch her in the Wicked movie? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. We'll probably just stick to the music. Uh, um. Oh, see, I've been doing. I mean, it's like going to completely age me here because. It's like since I'm in like my early thirties, I've been looking at a lot of like houses. Oh, yeah, Zillow! Zillow is a legit. Oh, it's, <laughs> so it's just like oh, kitchen designs or like interior designs. So I'm like, ooh, that would be kind of sweet to be able to do that. So it's a lot of those, and honestly, like tiny houses. I've been like all over tiny houses. All oh yeah, Instagram. sure. The tiny that's, houses are great. That's, that's a good Instagram crush. I I've been going pretty hard with that lately. <laughs> um, the next is your go-to karaoke song. Someone hands you the mic. Ooh. It's your time to sign. Oh, what are you singing? I, I mean, I've, I've got mine. I know mine. Um, <laughs> Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. You are like no <laughs> less than the fourth person on the podcast to say that. I think that's Fobbles. It's just such a good song. That's Kellen Taylor's. I'm trying to think of at, at least a couple other people have said that one, but that's a good one. Well, I showed up in Boots. Not on <laughs> Spotify because like Garth Brooks yeah, has his yeah. own weird yeah. music streaming. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, mine's, um, it's funny because I actually ended up doing this at a wedding. Like, the first time I met, like, my wife's, all of her, like, college friends was Journey Don't Stop Believing. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah. but it was like, it just, I went a little too hard for that. <laughs> no, that's a good one because everyone will sing along. Like, if you're yeah, not I mean, the strongest vocalist, like, a song where other people Other people will, will jump in. Yeah, that's, I, that's yeah. always Maybe that's probably why I did it. I don't know. <laughs> just went a little hard. And uh, last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. You get one more meal. 
What are you eating? I could eat mashed potatoes for days. Oh, interesting. I almost ate so much I vomited the night before the marathon. <laughs> you did have a lot That's of mashed potatoes. That's not even a joke. <laughs> I had my head around the toilet for about 10 minutes. Like, oh, no. Mashed potatoes? Yep. Carb loading. That's impressive. Yes. Uh, um, Pepe's Pizza, uh, their fresh tomato pie. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. That one. Great choice. We lived in New Haven, so we were literally right next door to Pepe's. <laughs> so ever since... Years ago, I've just that is my go-to meal every summer. That uh, my 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 parent I don't my dad sometimes listens to the podcast. I don't know how often my parents, <laughs> but my, my parents went to Yale, so they're okay. They yeah, yeah, he lived like right next yeah. to it, so it's like right there. And now I mean, there's the one in the Chestnut. The issue I have now is the fact that they are opening up like all over the place because there's yeah. one like in the Burlington Mall. It's like this isn't a novelty. That's and the I'm problem. That was actually one thing I very much appreciated in. You'll never hear me say this on the record again, but one thing I liked about Princeton um, was that Hoagie Haven oh, being Hoagie there Haven, so. was, to me, like, I'm like, this is the perfect, like, going to Hoagie Haven, like, twice a year is, like, the perfect amount of Hoagie Haven to go to because, like... how often we went, too. Yeah, it's like, you, you're like, I don't... If there was, like, a Hoagie Haven down the street from me, I'm like, a, a I feel like I would go way too often. And B, I feel like it would be less of, like, a special event uh, to, like, yes. get the most disgusting and At some point, like, to... mac and cheese and french fries on a sandwich doesn't really, uh... Yeah, but if it's twice a year, yeah. you're like, that's, that's hip's yeah. different. Yeah. Also, people might not know, hoagies are subs, because hoagies are only... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like a trust. Philadelphia... I feel like, area. I was gonna say, I feel like anyone that, um, like, did any, like, college running yeah, in the, on the yeah. East yeah. Coast to, like... Had a Hoagie Haven sandwich yeah. after a Princeton track meet. <laughs> I mean, I was a Wawa guy back in the day, so. Oh, Wawa. Those yeah. you, are you a South Jersey guy or North Jersey? North Jersey. Okay, but so we started to get Wawas up our way right when I was uh, leaving for college. But then there was one on Princeton's campus. We called it the Wawa. <laughs> uh, the Wawa. <laughs> and so the number of times I would buy, like, a milkshake a sandwich and a box of Enemins donuts and eat all of it in one oh, sitting was so um, disgusting. That's been my, so uh, we could talk about food for the next 17 minutes because it's dinner time. And we're all <laughs> sorry, <there>. sorry. <laughs> but I will say the uh, Enemins, uh, like the glazed oh, munchkins yeah, that yeah. Enemins has, like if I see those in the grocery store, that's like an auto, like I'll pick those up and they'll be gone in two days. Yep. Next, like. They make it two days? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, well, speaking of, I think it's dinner time. Um, thank you guys for coming on. Um, thank you. This was uh, a great combo. Um, and until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Yeah.